Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Locate in your Bible two different passages of Scripture. One is in the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, 1. Find that, and then... And then we're going to go through Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. So please find both of those. I want to show you some interesting things in those passages of Scripture together. So Hebrews 12, 1, excuse me, Genesis 12, 1, and Hebrews 11, 8. Genesis 12, 1, Hebrews 11, 8. Today I'm launching a, uh, a new four-week series. It's in the ser- I'm calling the series Ready for the Unknown. And ultimately, these messages are about growing your faith because all of us, every one of us, I mean, let's be honest, we struggle with faith from, to one degree or another and from person to person. It is a struggle sometimes. I, I do understand that. And it's okay to be honest with that. But what we're going to do is we're going to journey with Abraham and take a look at how he, uh, how he used his faith steps and even his missteps. In fact, one of the things that I've learned in studying the life of Abraham is that Abraham, according to everything that he did, as I've studied his life, for every right step, he took two wrong steps. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He's the father of our faith. So he would, do, he would have two missteps for every one step. And yet he is considered to be the father of our faith. That's really quite amazing. So I want us to take a look at his life and look at some things that we can apply to our own personal lives. Because what he did is he put faith with obedience and he took action. And he took these steps to follow God, uh, even though he didn't have any idea where God was going to lead him. He really, really didn't know. And as a result of that, what happened is God blessed him and God helped him. And, and Abraham had faith for a lot of other areas in of, his, of his life, which you'll be finding out more during this series, because he simply took those faith steps. He followed God's call. So so uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into this. While we're doing this this month, I'm going to ask us to do, a, uh, to do a little devotional. So there is a devotional that is on the, uh, on the YouVersion Bible app, and we've been asking over the past several weeks, please go ahead and, and go to the YouVersion Bible app and make City Life Church your home. And so many of you have already done that. So if you did that this morning, according to Jake, this morning you would have gotten a push notification for some reason, it didn't come to my phone, but it came to his phone. I said, well, then I trust your phone above my phone any day. So go ahead and get signed up. This is only a seven-day devotional. It's very simple, but I like it. I, I went through several, several devotionals uh, regarding Abraham and trying to find one that was going to be best applicable to us, and I love this one. It's easy to read, but it's also very, very life applicable. So, so mark that. Get started on that, and let's join together, and let's do this devotional together through the YouVersion Bible app. And if you're not, uh, if, if you don't have City Life Church marked as your home church on there, I'm sad, but, but, I, but, but that's because you haven't had a chance yet, right? Right. So go ahead and get that done. And then, and also go ahead and get signed up for this uh, brand new do devotional. And let's, let's do this together. There's, there's power in unity. So I'm doing this series called Ready for the Unknown, and today's message title is God's Call. 
God's call. See, God calls us to do various things. Uh, and, and, and he wants us to make changes in our plans. He wants us to step out in faith from time to time. And it's all for the purpose of expanding his kingdom ultimately. That is ultimately what God wants to do, whether you're in full-time ministry work or not. If you're a believer, he has calls on your life. He has things that he wants you to step out into and to do and only you really know about that. And those things, we bounce off of others and we get God's clarification and God's confirmation on it, confirmation of the body of Christ, but then we step out in faith. And I'm, I'm talking about that today. Uh, I pastored up in Missouri. I mentioned this earlier. I pastored up in Missouri, the frigid Arctic world of Missouri for nine years. And, uh, and how, many, how many people have actually lived in the state of Missouri? I, I call it the state of misery. None of, I don't see any people who are lifting their hands today for the state of Missouri. But, but I lived there for nine, nine years uh, when, when we, we were called to pastor up there. Rebecca and I went up and, and, uh, and we, we, we gave it our very best. We just knew that God had asked us to be there. But even I remember the, at the very beginning, Rebecca asked me, how, do, how long do you believe God will have us here? And I said, really, I think it's going to be about eight to 10 years. She said, okay, I'm in agreement. And very interestingly enough, right at nine years, right at nine years, God spoke to me as clear as he's ever spoken. It wasn't like an audible voice at all, but, but, but it was so, so clear. I mean, when God wants to get your attention and speak to you, uh, you know, he sometimes, sometimes for me, he kind of has to use a, uh, he has to use a two by four method and he does that. So he speaks really, really clear to me, but, but I, I felt God speaking to me very clear, September, 2008. And the clarity of God's voice was simple. He said, resign the church now and go home, go home. And I'm going to show you later, but you're going to start something new in the heart of a large city. That was it. I did not know any more than that or large Southern city. I I knew that. So I had no clue really what this was about any more than, than, than anyone else. I got confirmation on it. And so I came here back here to DFW because DFW is home for me. And that was my next step. That was a huge faith step because there was a lot of unknown. Now I want to tell you something about that faith step. That faith step did not mean that I was taking the next big step in my career. You know, like if, if I'm going to be a career-minded pastor, which if a pastor's career-minded, that's kind of scary in my opinion. But, but it, it wasn't like a big step up in my career because I was pastoring a big church. Everything was looking good. I mean, we, we were we were doing great up there, but, but during that time, I stepped out and didn't have a job to go to. I didn't have anything. God says, just go. And God provided, and God shaped me. God shaped my family. And for two years, I'm telling you, almost exactly two years after taking those faith steps, I didn't have any more clear words from God on the next step. So I was in waiting mode <laughs> and letting God do some work in me and learning and waiting and being in the word. And, and, uh, but, but, uh, but that all led to the fall of 2011 when we launched our services here. And, and I, now I know that City Life, in fact, then I knew that City Life was the reason why God had said, Go. I'm going to call you. I want you to get out of Missouri and I want you to go back home. And I answered God's call. I answered God's call, and 
today, to be honest with you, um, we had that same conversation with Rebecca and me. How long do you think we're going to be here? I said, till we die. And so she said, yeah, amen. And, and so, so we, we came, we obeyed the call of God. And I'll just tell you this much. Since then, since 2011, since, since things got rolling here, I, I, I got to tell you, I would not want to be anywhere else doing anything else ever. That's not it. I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the middle of God's will. And I'm very glad that I obeyed by faith and took these steps following God's call and I left the comfortable. And I'm telling you, it was very comfortable. I left the comfortable to do a faith journey of a lifetime. And, and it really was quite an amazing amazing journey for us because I did leave uh, what, what we had up there of two campuses, a 24-7 prayer ministry, and I had a cool car, and, and <laughs> I did, I had a very cool car, and, and just everything was just wonderful, a great, stable salary, health insurance, you know, all the things you kind of like in life, and, and come here and have nothing, so, so I have no regrets regarding following God's call. And that's exactly what Abraham did. I ask you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the beginning book of the Bible. And this is where he answered God's call, uh, Abraham. So Genesis chapter number 12, we're going to start in verse number one, start right at the beginning. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. What I think is kind of interesting, because I did the little co comparison between my faith journey out of here, God did not call me away from my family. God says, no, go back, go back to home. Go, did, God didn't say leave home. God said, get, get back home. You don't want to be up here in Missouri any longer, and I'm glad I did. But, but, uh, but go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I'll curse. <laughs> and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Wow. So God's call for him was leave home. And, and what, what he said is basically, start walking and I'll tell you when you need to stop. And he said, at the, at the same time, as you take these steps, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your descendants. There's going to be blessing all over the place because you actually stepped out and you obeyed. It's, it's, it's a unique call with unique promises. And the good thing is he did obey and we have the, the record of it here. And so my challenge for you today is pretty simple. It's to obey and go by faith obey and go by faith when God calls. The challenge of it, which I'm not getting into all of this of what, how do you know what God's calls? I've preached on it multiple times. I'll probably share with you some notes on that stuff later regarding how to, to know and discern the call of God or the will of God. But you have to obey and go by faith when God calls. See, the by faith part means you leave the things that are comfortable. You're not necessarily going to a more comfortable place. Now, that would be nice if all faith journeys was going from comfort to extreme comfort, to go from nice to wonderful, to go from pleasure to just happiness, total awesomeness all around. That would be nice, but typically faith journeys are not like that at all. So, 
just do what he says. Make sure it's the voice of God. But the obedience to faith is key. It is absolutely key to open up the blessings of God's life, of God in your life. And faith is not just a state of mind. Faith isn't just thinking faith things. Faith is taking action. One of the, one of the big challenges that I see, even, with, uh, even, even in the church today, is a lot of people will talk about faith, will even preach about faith, and think it's a state of mind. Faith is not a state of mind. Faith is, is what you do taking action based upon what God said. That's where faith is. That's where faith is. And some of you, you're right at the edge and you, you, you're waiting for that nudge from God. And when God says go, you go and you step out in faith. If you're intentionally following the Lord, what he's going to do is he's going to order your steps. Now in Proverbs chapter 16, verse nine, Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived next to Jesus Christ, he said, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we're supposed to make plans, listening to and responding to the voice of God, and then God orders our steps. And there are amazing benefits to actually following through with what God says. And most of the time, if you're going to step out in faith, stepping out in faith means that you ultimately do not know exactly where you're going. Typically, that's what it looks like. And God fills in the rest. See, Abraham didn't. So that's where the trust comes in. God, I trust you that you're going to order my steps. I'm going to make the plans, but you're going to have to order my steps. And if you're living according to his word, he's going to do that. When I obeyed God's call back in 2008, as I was sharing with you when I was up in the frigid north of Missouri, which really isn't all that frigid. It's just, I just like saying that because I, I, I really hated living there. But, uh, but that season taught me this. That season taught me that, that you have to take your first small steps of faith and then those series of steps become like a giant leap, a huge leap. So my challenge, again, is uh, I want you to start taking some small steps. Take a step. Take a step. Take a start now. There's an old saying that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So what is your first step going to be? Maybe it's for you to fill out an application. Maybe it's for you to remove yourself from a toxic relationship. Maybe it means giving away some of your possessions, Possibly it means taking a course or quitting a job, maybe volunteering for a position or to begin tithing or to go to a new connect group or to go to a connect group for the first time. But those steps that you take, I don't know exactly how this is all going to pan out. You take the steps. Now, I want you to look now at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, and we're going to stay in this passage of Scripture for most of the rest of the message. Hebrews chapter 8, this is where Abraham obeyed, and he went even though he didn't know where he was going. Take a look at it. It says, by faith, Abraham. You see the faith? By faith, Abraham, when called, that's the call of God, to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. See, God had already given him the country, but he's like a stranger in his own, own, own land. That's the land God had given to him. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that cool? That's awesome. 
And he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. Those are his, uh, that's his son and grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Now hold your place right there. We're going to come back to verse 10 in a second. I learned the power of taking small steps when I hiked the Grand Canyon with my sons 8.5 years ago. Eight and a half years ago, I took this unbelievable trip into the Grand Canyon. I, we went down, that, that's us before, trust me, you wouldn't want, we did not look like that afterwards. But, but we, uh, we took this, this adventure, and when we planned for it for about, uh, for almost a year, had, had prepared ourselves physically and emotionally and with all our reservations, everything we needed to do, and we, uh, we hiked down the North Kaibab Trail, which goes off of the north rim of the Grand Canyon all the way down to the Colorado River. And it was, it was excruciating, I'll just be honest with you. We left our site. The, the, north, the, north, the north rim of the Grand Canyon, just FYI, is closed about three-quarters of the year because you can't get in and out because of the snow. I mean, it's, it's a mountain, basically, the north rim. But uh, so what we did is, is we, we still planned it. The snow had been moved. The, the, it had been open. It was finally the 1st of July. They usually up around, up, open up around the middle of May or so. But we went around, it was the first week of June, not July, sorry, first week of June, and, and we were ready to go. Uh, when we left that morning, we left the Grand Canyon, uh, North Rim. We started our trek down at 5 a.m. in the dark. It was 34 degrees, and as we went on and on and on that day, the temperature literally changed by almost 100 degrees during that day because the further you go into the canyon, the hotter it gets. Any of you who have ever hiked the Grand Canyon, you know, but especially the North Rim because you have the extreme cold. And then you also, if you hike the North Rim, which only supposedly like only 2% of the people who do the Grand Canyon actually do the stupid North Rim, which is what I like to do. But, uh, but, uh, but you, you go there and, and as you're going down, you actually have to go through something called the box. And the box, it's called that because there are these huge, massive canyon walls and you're near the bottom of the, of the Grand Canyon. But in that area, there's no shade. There are no trees. There's no shade. There's nothing. And, and the, the sun, the way it hits that little area, and it goes for about a mile or so, but a but mile and a half maybe. But when the sun hits that area, the temperatures inside the box, that, that little part of the canyon, go up to about 125 to 130 in the shade. They always calculate it in the shade, but there is no shade shade. So it was hot, hot just to say the leaves. And the trip was, the trip was crazy. I mean, uh, heavy backpacks. My son Ian going on the trail, he, uh, we, we got maybe two miles down and it was still dark at that time when we were, when we were coming down and he says, I can't carry my pack any longer. It's like, well, you have to. He was 14 years old. You have to. We figured this out by weight. We know exactly how much each person is supposed to carry by weight. That's how much is in your backpack. He's like, I can't do it anymore. <sighs> Great. So I had my 45-pound pack, which you're really only supposed to do 40, but I thought I'm tough. I can do 45. I added another 10 pounds to mine so that he some of his poundage off of his pack, which now, now I have about a 
pound pack on me. And let me tell you, if y'all are into hiking, you know anything about hiking, nobody really hikes for a day with a 55 pound pack on them. They, they just don't do that. And here I was doing it and going down or into the canyon. I got, I don't have a choice. Uh, and, and when you're down there, you lose about one liter of water. You're warned, we learned all this in, in our preparation for it, but you lose one liter of water uh, for every hour that you're actually in the canyon. So you have to constantly hydrate. You carry water with you. We also have to carry water filters because you have to go to the creek and you have to filter your water. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome, but it's also pretty excruciating. Uh, on, and on the very first day, the very, very first day, we did 17 miles of hiking, most of it downhill, but some of it uphill. And just so that you can kind of get a little idea of this, and I've shared this with some of you before, but hiking down, you actually, I, I've measured it this way, and this is accurate. From the top of the North Rim down the North Kaibab Trail all the way down to the Colorado is four Empire State Buildings. So how would you like to be at the top of the Empire State Building, which I've been there before, uh, up on their observation deck, and, and that's a pretty cool place to be, but I would never want to take the stairs down, but that's like taking the stairs down four times in a day. That's what it's like going from the top all the way down to the bottom. And you're doing it with just the, these packs and the heat and the cold, and it's, it's crazy. And then we hiked all the way down to the bottom, and then we had to hike back up to a camping spot in a different location because you can only camp in designated places or they somehow get mad at you. I don't know how they get mad at you. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're watching through satellites or something, but you, you have to camp in certain areas. And, and so, we went, so we had to hike back up to a, a, a place to, to camp, which is, which is up much higher than the river. So that was like another Empire State Building back up. And it's called the Clear Creek Trail. We never saw the creek. Actually, the creek is like five miles out. And you know, it's just, it's, it's, it was actually pretty miserable. Wonderful, but miserable. So, so, you know, we, then the next, so we slept about four hours in our tents and then got right back up at 3 a.m. And we started heading out and we had to descend down about one Empire State Building, get down to the river and then ascend back up another four Empire State Buildings. That was our journey. Uh, it was 33 miles total. And please understand, if you're hiking 33 miles on flat land, that's a piece of cake. Trust me. But when you're, when you're doing this, 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 and then this, and then you have to do this, 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 and go buy our backup, that is crazy. And we, we did it. And um, we left at 5 a.m. day one, got back at 8 p.m. day two to the top of the, of the ram. And I learned some lessons in the canyon. And just, you know, just because these are kind of like faith lessons. These are the lessons that we learn when we're on our faith adventures as well. But one of them is that victory is sweetest when the journey is tough. Uh, that, was a, that, was a, that was actually the most physically exerting thing that I have done in my life by far. By far. And I will not repeat it. I won't repeat it. I'm not going to go do that again. Some people say, let's go to the Yankee. You've done that before. Let's hike it again. I was like, no, no, you go ahead and do it. You go ahead and do it. But it's the victory is sweetest when the journey is tough. When the journey is tough, that victory of reaching the, the other end. I mean, I had swollen knees and, and blisters on my feet and sunburn. And, and, and you know, I, I was using my trekking poles basically as crutches because of the, the pain in my legs and in my knees at that time. But the victory was so amazing. And, and my goal was this. My goal was very clearly this. It was to get out of the canyon with everyone alive. 
That really was, that's a, that's a, that was your goal? Oh, yes, that was my goal. Trust me. That is actually how it works. You want to get out of the canyon with everyone alive. And so, so get to the end. Get to the goal. If I have to drag them out of the canyon alive, I'm going to do that. We're going to survive out here. And it was intense. And, and just like any faith journey, there are times where you just really don't know what's going on. Uh, there, there's this one place out on the Clear Creek Trail, which Nobody in here has ever been on the Clear Creek, Creek Trail, I don't think. But that is where we had to camp. And the Clear Creek Trail, we never saw another person. And they warned us, when you do the Clear Creek Trail, you probably won't see anybody. You're going to be all by yourself. And you had better have plenty of water with you because even though it's called Clear Creek, there is no water on it. And we got to our campsite and tore down and started heading out the next day. But as we we're heading out, even going in and heading out, it's dark as we were in the dark there trying to make our way off the, off the mountain, um, there were portions of the trail that were washed out, yeah, from erosion. So it was a trail about this wide, kind of gravelly, and you know, not, not that they had poured gravel on it. It's not Trinity Trails, trust me. So it was a trail about this, this wide, but occasionally there would just be spots that were washed out, and it'd be somewhere like this to this, this, but just they were washed out. And so we had our little headlamp flashlights, and I would tell the boys, okay, watch out. You got to take a big step here got to step over because if you step on this, your feet go out from under you, you go down, you're gone. That's really the way it is. And that's not an exaggeration. So that's why it's like, we're, my goal is to get everyone out of this canyon alive and we're going to do it. And that's, that's part of the strategy. You know, you may be on this faith journey. Like, I don't know how this is going to end up. This is not all about making a better me. It's not all about trying to make more money and to be more fantastic and wonderful. No, it's quite often it's about, I'm going to survive. I really don't know how this is going to end up, but I'm going to survive and the people with me are going to survive. And my, my survi- one of my survival strategies I learned very quickly was this, it's to thrive during the journey. We're going to thrive while we're on the journey. So what we would do is we'd laugh and tell stories. Like there was this guy, I will never forget it. We were so exhausted. It was in the first day going down, just really exhausted. And this guy, they're, they're these runners, people who run the trails. And they're, they're crazy. They really, really are. They are crazy. But, but they, they run the trail. And there was this one guy, he, he, like, he came running down the trail. And it's like, he looked like Jesus. I mean, he had that Jesus hair. He had the Jesus. And the only thing he was missing was the blue sash. I mean, I'm telling you, he, the guy looked like Jesus. And, 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 and one of my boys goes, dad, Jesus is coming. I was like, I know Jesus is coming. No, no, it's Jesus. And we all looked around and we busted out laughing because we all got it. And we laughed. So, so you know, when, when th- things were a little bit tough on the trails, we would just say, well, Jesus is around here somewhere. You know, he might come for us. And we would laugh. There were these two women. There were two, these two women that were also trail runners and they went running by us, uh, they went running by us early in the morning. And then it was kind of interesting. We saw them later and they, had, they were coming back the opposite direction. They said, oh yeah, we've already run all the way down the river. We're running back up. And they said, but we're going to stop because we're so overheated. And so they jump into this creek and they just start getting themselves all wet. And they said, do it. It'll cool you down. We kind of looked at each other like, okay. So, so they taught us how to, how to survive out there on the trail. We did that. And, and uh, you know, another time was when my oldest son, he was, he had, you're, you're supposed to keep your head wet. You got to keep your head wet. We had these bandanas that, that would keep water in them. So you have to keep your head wet because you've got to keep your brain cool. And, and so we have to stop constantly to, to keep our, our heads wet. And, and 
one point, my oldest son just yanks his hat off and yanks his bandana off and throws it on the ground and goes, my head is on fire and starts to collapse to the ground. Like, what are you doing? And so I went back to him. I was like, everything's dry. What are you, do- what are you thinking? We've been, every- we've been stopping every 30 minutes to pour water on our heads. And so we ran over to the creek and put him in the water and, and got him to recover. And we had to stay for about two and a half hours for him to recover, for his body to recover. Just, just there, like, thank you for ruining the trip. No, he didn't ruin the trip. But those are the things. That- so we made fun of him the whole time. Like, at any point, just someone would yell, my head is on fire. And we would laugh. You know, it's kind of fun just laughing with each other. Uh, another one is when my, my youngest son, we were just, we were literally two miles from the top, two miles from the rim. It, the air was getting thin, so you're kind of a little lightheaded at this point, coming up back. And we were sitting there resting. I didn't want our rest stops to go more than 20 minutes at all because, we, because part of the goal is you got to be back on the rim before dark because at dark up on the north rim, all of a sudden it gets cold, really cold, really fast. And you do not want to be stuck out there when it's 30 degrees, uh, just stuck trying to figure out, okay, how many more miles do I have to walk? So, so uh, you know, it, it, was, it was funny because he was sitting on this boulder probably about this high up just resting and he just said, why can't, let's just go ahead and go. And he jumped down and immediately when he jumped down, he sprained his ankle and he was laying there on the ground. And it's funny because there were about 15 other people just kind of laying out on the ground, exhausted at that little rest stop area. A rest stop's not like what you see on the highways, okay? There are no bathrooms. There are no, that's not a rest stop, but, but this is just a little resting place. And, uh, and, and he fell, and he was down. And he was, ah, oh, my ankle, my ankle. And, and people would just kind of look over, and I started laughing. And I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed, and I laughed. <laughs> it's like, what else could happen on this trip? You know, thank goodness I had, you know, one of those ice packs. That was, that was part of what you bring with you, at least one little ice pack. So I crushed it and wrapped his uh, ankle up. I said, well, thank God, you, we only have two more miles to go. And so he was the whole way up, just trying to get up. And we would just laugh and have fun with him. Uh, So part of it is you're going to have to find things to laugh at. Thrive on your journey and just enjoy. In fact, enjoy what I just, what I told you, some of those things were just crazy and strange and other could have ended up disastrous, but you just got to look back at the disasters and sometimes laugh and just say, look how God's taking care of us. And so it, you know, it was pretty intense. It was pretty intense. Hike. This is a picture of a 2014 version of me. So that's, that's me uh, on the hike. And, and I just had to keep going. Couldn't stop for very long. Didn't want to get stuck by you know, at nightfall under the rim with the freezing temps. So my mantra on this trip was, were these words right here. Take one more step. I developed that on the trip coming back up. Take one more step. And I would say it over and over deliberately as I was hiking back up, deliberately take one more step. I remember it clearly because there are parts of that trip that, that, uh, that hike at the end that I don't even recall. I just recall one thing, take one more step, take one more step. And that was literally my motivation to keep going, keep going. And the interesting thing is I got that revelation from my 14 year old son. You guys know him. His name's Ian. That's the uh, 14 year old version of him. You see, 
Ian was always like humming and singing and always happy. You know, just he's happy hiking up there. Hike, and he would get ahead of us. And, and he'd be like way ahead. Sometimes he'd be 50, 50 yards ahead of us, which, you know, you got to kind of stay together on those hikes. And he'd be ahead of us. It was like, stop, stop. You know, what are you doing? And like, well, I'm okay. And, and, and so at one of the rest stops, I said, what is your secret? Here we are, we're all maimed and we're, we, we can hardly move and, and it's, life is hard and, and we're, we're just trying, to take a, you know, trying to get up to the top. He said, well, I just keep telling myself, just take one more step, just take one more step, just take one more step and I sing a song while I'm doing it. Uh, you know what? That's kind of like our faith. Just take one more step, sing a song while you're doing it. I'm in pain, take one more step. Sing a song while you're doing it. This is not comfortable. Take one more step. And that was my key also. The wisdom from this 14-year-old boy was on me. And, and, uh, and, and I made that. I made that my mantra, especially during the last part of the journey. But my focus on that trip was this. It's like, I just want to imagine my boot on the rim. It's, it's, I believe it's kind of like Abraham was imagining the promise God had given him. I just want to be in that place where, where I see my offspring and I see that God is blessing my children and my grandchildren. I want to get to that point. And for me, it was, I just got to set my boot on the rim because when you get to the rim, everything's flat again. Everything's beautiful again. No more climbing. And I just kept picturing myself at the top of the north rim, putting my foot at the top of the rim and enjoying it with everyone alive. Yeah, it was exhausting. It was exhausting, just like just about every faith journey you'll take. Your faith journeys are exhausting, and that's me being exhausted. One of the boys took my picture, said, Dad, you look dead. Like, well, I feel dead. And, and uh, but we made it. You see, my mind and my eyes were on the goal looking forward to planting my boot on the north rim again. We made it. It was the same with Abraham. Look back at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. I want you to look at what's said here. It says, for he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. You get that? That's what was on his mind. That's what kept his faith going. By faith, even Sarah, his wife, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. How would you, ladies, can you imagine at the age of 90? Okay, it's time to have a baby. Any 90-year-olds in the room? You know, any, anyone close to 90? You're close to 90. I don't know. You're, you're right. You're getting close. Uh, so, I, but I, I honestly don't, wouldn't expect you to have a baby at this point, but, but she had this incredible baby. And look at it. She was enabled to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful who had made the promise. Like God's faithful. God made the promise. All right, I keep going. 90 years old, sure. Okay, and then I'm going to have a baby. Now hold your place there, verse 11. I want, I want to let you know, you can make it through today's challenges. You can make it through the dry places. You just have to keep obeying God. Keep taking step after step after step. Because your destination, 
Your real destination is eternity. It's heaven. It's New Jerusalem. The, the, the city with foundations, it speaks of Jerusalem because there are multiple foundations in New Jerusalem. It's going to be wonderful. That is his destination. That's our destination. And that because our lives don't even end with death. So keep in mind what you are doing right now counts because you have a destination in mind that you cannot see you simply believe it is there and you will experience it. And when you get there, it'll be the most wonderful thing you could ever imagine. So a focus on eternity gives us the strength for today's hardships. It does. You know, it's like when you don't even have any more strength, what are you going to do? I mean, when I got there, like even on that, uh, uh, when I was there in the, at the, uh, in the Grand Canyon, What's going to keep me going? Why am I doing this trip? I'm doing this trip to get everyone out alive and to put my boot at the top of the North Rim. Okay, I can keep going. I can keep, because I know I have a tent up there and there's some food in that tent and there's water in that tent. I can do this. You see, truth is, in this life, when our eyes are on eternity, we're gonna know that God will be able to help us get through stuff because we're walking by faith. I have this statement for you here, and I want you to get it. Leave it up on the screen here for a minute or so. Make sure everybody gets it. But God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get to where God wants you to go. I'll say it again. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get to where God wants you to go. So understanding God's really driving this thing here, and that takes the pressure off of all of us. So even though on your journey, you may have taken a misstep, you may have taken two or five, 10, you may have taken 20 missteps, but if you believe that those missteps are going to foil the plan of God, then you are serving a God that is much, much too small. You see, Abraham made multiple missteps, but he stuck with the promise. He kept believing. He kept moving forward. And God has given you a promise. And that promise, it might feel like it was a lifetime ago. I mean, it, you might think like the destination is a million miles away. How could it ever get there? But keep on going on. Keep on getting on. And God will help you get there. Look at verse 12 in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 12. While you're turning there, I just uh, got to tell you, I am enjoying being, having a little more movement today. I, my arm, if y'all remember, I dislocated my shoulder about two and a half weeks ago. And I can slowly, I can slowly lift my arm up. I have to do it real slow. But that, this is, this is, uh, yeah, it's pretty good right there. I, I, it was kind of cool because I was worshiping God this morning. It's like, I can lift my hands, you know, yeah. With the staff praying this morning, like, yes, I can lift my hands. I just don't like, like, teacher. Yeah, I can lift both hands. And it, was, it just felt great. So thank you. Thank you for your prayers. I'm continuing to heal. I'm getting much better. So keep praying, though. There's just a lot of it has to happen. But uh, Hebrews 11, verse 12, it says, And so from this one man, speaking of Abraham, <laughs> look at this, and he as good as dead. Wouldn't you love it if the scriptures put that, you know, if you're written for eternity in the Bible, you're as good as dead. <laughs> and so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, that's what God promised, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. It happened. 
God's promise was fulfilled because Abraham followed God's call. And you might think you're not good enough. You might think you're not the right pedigree. You might not think you have the right education. You might even think you're not the right age or whatever. It doesn't matter. Keep in mind, Abraham had all of that going against him because he, according to the scriptures, was as good as dead. <laughs> you're not that far. You're not there. But that's where Abraham was, and God continued to work for him. And the blessing came to pass. So following God's call has unlimited impact on future generations. You do not know what kind of impact it's going to have on future generations if you simply obey the call of God. And, and, and what might happen down the road, which you don't even know about yet, is, could be amazing if you just simply follow the call of God and keep taking those steps. You might say, but, but Pastor, my, I don't have a huge faith call like Abraham did. I, I don't have that. Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You see, even if that call, even if that nudge from God seems to be so small, so minuscule, please understand, there is no way for you to know how those decisions and those faith steps you're going to take are actually going to play out for the sake of eternity. God wants you to impact this world for him in one way or another, and he has actually put the desires in your heart for the steps to take, so you should take those steps. And I've learned this. I've learned that when God calls, his provision is always near. Oh, church, please get this. When God calls, his provision is always, always near. At home, I have a very special Bible it's really dear to me. It is, it is my favorite, most special Bible of, of all my Bibles. <laughs> I have a bunch of them. But uh, in the front of it, that Bible, I have a little note that is taped in there that I taped in there 30 years ago from my father. And I, and I, what, what happened here, just leave that up there for a second here. Dad, Dad ventured out to plant a new church. He followed God's call. He went to a city that, that needed, desperately needed a church. He went there and planted a church. And, and, uh, and at the same time, Rebecca and I, we were in a situation where we were serving on the staff of a large church in Dallas County. Uh, we were children's pastors, but it was, you know, it was, it was tough. We, the, the normal expectation was 80 hours a week, which was, was that's just the way it was. And our salary was 18000 uh, my salary. So that's, yeah, that ain't much. How did we do it? I, I don't know. God simply provided miracles, and it was extremely tight. I didn't complain to my parents at all, but occasionally they would say, how are you doing? Like, yeah, it's tough. You know, we, we, we need some money to buy, you know, whatever, little things here and there to pay doctor's bills or, or whatever we, we had. And, and uh, one day, in the mail came this little note, which you see right there, with a check for $450 from my dad. Now, that was massive for us, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it, because that's exactly what we needed to make ends meet. And so I took this faith-charged note that accompanied the gift, and I taped it inside my Bible, so I'll never forget. You might not be able to read my dad's handwriting, but he says, hi, kids. Mother and I deeply appreciate your dedication to the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Listen to what he is saying to you 
in your quiet times. This is actually my favorite letter from my dad. It says, his resources are limitless. Isn't that beautiful? His blessings have literally, dad misspelled literally, please understand, he never, he, he only went to school through eighth grade and he had to leave to get a job to help provide for the family at that time. His blessings have literally overflowed toward us since we took this step of faith, which was the church plant they were doing. We actually have had more money left over than we did when we had a nice salary with all of our housing and utilities paid. I can't explain it, but who can explain one whose ways are past finding out? We want to share this with you. We want to share with you some of what we have left over. We love you all, Dad and Mom. That's, that's so real. That's so true. So beautiful. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 12, um, we see Abraham setting up two different altars. Uh, and and in the first case, God says, I'm going to give this land to you and to your offspring. So at that moment, he built this altar, and then, and which was, would have been just a huge pile of massive stones. It was a very, very obvious thing. And, uh, and then he went a little further, and God, and God spoke to him again. So he set up another altar between Bethel and Ai, and he, he worshiped the Lord there. And in fact, if you look through the Old Testament, you're, you, when you read through the Old Testament, they're always building altars. They're always building altars. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Well, it's because we have a tendency to forget what we should remember. And we have a tendency to remember what we should forget. You see how your mind works? Your mind is going to think about the negative things, all the bad things, the negative things of all that's going to happen. I learned that when I was a, uh, when I was a student. In, in uh, actually in high school, I was I was I, I took a class in high school called marketing, and and I took this class, and it was kind of interesting because. But they said, you know, when a when a person comes into your place of business, they had these statistics, and I don't know where they got the statistics from, and I can't, I don't, so I'm not promising you that this is authentic, but I, I, this is what I was taught, is that for every for every ten good experiences. All it takes is one bad experience to wipe out the 10 because people will remember the bad experience 10 times more than they will the good experience. Therefore, you got to make sure the bad experiences aren't there for people and keep giving them good experiences, keep giving them good experiences. But that's how our brains work. Our brains tend to reflect on the bad. We think about the negative. Come on, it's true. You know, you know it is. So we tend to remember the things that we should be forgetting. We also tend to forget the things we should remember. And that's why they built altars. And I think we should set up altars also because altars, altars help us to remember where we came from, to recall the blessings of God along the way, and to give us a sacred place to go back to. You should surround yourself with altars. And uh, that Bible is an altar of mine. Let me just go into a little more detail in the very front cover of it. <clears throat> where uh, I had that note from my dad taped in. I, I also love to be able to turn to this page because this is the page which reminds me of the love of my wife for me. You see, we didn't have much, not much at all. I really wanted this Bible. I wanted, I wanted this Bible pretty bad. I even took her to, this is before our 
you ordered anything online. But I took her to the Bible bookstore and showed it to her. I said, really, one of these days I'd love to have this Bible. Oh, we can't afford that, I know. But you know what? That Somehow, my sweet, beautiful wife, she found a way to buy that Bible. And she that was her gift to me for my birthday. September 23rd, 1992. And for me, that's an altar to remember my wife loves me so much. But other things about it is, is, is what, what that Bible meant to me, especially during my early, early years of ministry. And I wore that Bible out. Uh, I took this little picture yesterday, and it's, I don't carry it around at all because it would literally fall apart. But I wore that Bible out. Right now, it sits on a bookshelf behind me in my study at my home. And I see it all the time. And I take that Bible and I just open it. I feel it. I touch it. I look inside of it. And it takes me back. And it shows me and proves to me again that God is God. God is faithful. And God will take care of me. I love it. And then I go back and read Dad's note. I've, I've, I can't even tell you how many, countless times I've read through this note. But it's an altar. This Bible is an altar. It's a reminder of my wife's love for me. It's a reminder of my love for God's Word. It's a reminder of the, how God provided for me even during my early days of ministry. It's a reminder of, of what, my, what my God even did for my father as well. And then it causes me to worship God because I start realizing all this other stuff that I'm concerned about, I don't need to be concerned about because this altar has reminded me God is faithful. Church, I, I challenge every one of you to build altars. We should all have altars. I, I, you know, putting a big pile of stones in your backyard, you know, some big, huge, massive boulders, and that's probably not what, I, what you will do. But altars are anything that's going to remind you of God's faithfulness, remind you of a fork in the road where God came through for you. I have altars all around me. If you were to hang out with me for a couple of days everywhere I go and everything I do, you would probably, you would not even recognize any of the altars that are there, but I recognize them and I know they're not there for you. They're there for me. They invigorate my faith. They challenge me to take the next step because faith is, is really about being ready for the unknown, ready to take that next step and then following through by actually doing it. Hey, church, your life has value and your life has purpose. And God has a call on everyone's life some type of a call and something you are supposed to be stepping forward and doing. That's where faith comes in. And you will have continued faith for your journey as you look back at the altars from the past, as you look back at the things God has done for you in the past. And that's my encouragement for you today. Set up some altars. Be diligent in your faith. Start taking steps, even though it seems like you're going nowhere, even though it seems like you're taking a big step back, because faith steps typically are not a step up. That's the way the world says, hey, you got to step up to your next, yeah, yeah, step up, step up. And faith steps feel like, hey, I'm doing this, and there's a wilderness ahead of me. I, I don't get that. But God will be with you. 
God will comfort you. God will strengthen you. And some of you, you're in the middle of that. You have taken those faith steps. You followed that call of God, and now you're looking around you going, where in the world am I? What's going on? God, I thought you said, God, where's the promise? God, come on, God. Well, keep in mind, Abraham was 75 years old when he left, when he obeyed God, and he didn't have his child until he was over 100 years old. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. It took 25, 26 years before that even happened, before it even came to pass. There might be a, you might be in a period of a gap right now, kind of like as I was sharing a minute ago, that two-year gap before I was just saying, Okay, God, whenever you're ready to tell me about that next step, I'll take it. But I obeyed you. I, I heard from you, and it was confirmed, and here I am. Come on, God. Come through whenever you want. But of course, I wasn't sitting still. I was constantly working, constantly praying, constantly fasting and praying and seeking God and, and doing what I knew I needed to do to prepare for that next step. And then when the opportunity came, boom, I stepped into it. And you can too, with whatever steps you're on. So regardless of where you are in your faith journey, use this message to give you the courage to just take one more step. I want to pray for you. Will you receive this prayer right now? God, I pray that you will give us resolve in our hearts, resolve to be ready for the unknown to be responsive to the call and the voice of God. God, give us the courage and the strength to take another step, to keep taking those small steps, understanding and knowing that ultimately, God, this is about you. This is about what you want to do through our lives. This is what you want to do in our lives because you want to take us to a new place. God, give us the wisdom to recognize the moments when we need to pause and set up an altar, where we need to, to establish something tangible in our lives where we can come back to and say, I remember how God pulled me through back then, and because he did it then, he'll do it again. God, we choose to rely on you, depend on you, and keep moving forward with our heads held high in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed right now, I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond because if there are any of you who are out here with us today or if you're online watching and you're not in a right relationship with the Lord, you are far from God and, and you want to make things right, you're ready to ask for that forgiveness of sin and see, see God begin to do a wonderful new work in your life. I want to encourage you to receive this prayer and to pray this prayer that I'm going to pray in just a moment. Receive Jesus Christ into your life. And by faith, you're going to, those, those sins that you have committed will be washed away as if you have never sinned. No more guilt, no more shame, no more condemnation. The Lord loves you. He died for you on the cross. He took your sin on the cross before you were ever born because he knew you'd sin. <laughs> That's why he gave his life for you. And his blood is available to wash away your sin. All you have to do is take that faith step to receive it, to receive that salvation, to receive Jesus. So we're going to have a prayer here in just a second. And if anybody, if you're not in relationship with the Lord, you're ready to change that right now. 
At the count of three, I want you to lift your hands because as soon as I three, say three, put your hand up so I can see it because I want to connect my faith with yours and for you to begin to take these steps and we're going to pray this prayer and this is the beginning of a new life for you. So is that you? At the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up. That's me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. Thanks. Who else? You put your hands down. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. If you lifted your hand, pray it out. Congregation, I want you to pray this as well with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Make me a new creation. For today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.